Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. While most of you uh, have probably never read anything by the 19th century Russian playwright Anton Chekhov, you are familiar with some of the things that he said, with some of the things and conventions he invented. One of the most famous things that Anton Chekhov gave us is the idea that's been come to known as Chekhov's gun. What Chekhov said is, if you show me a gun in the first act of a play, by the end of the play, somebody better shoot that gun. It happens all the time. It happens in TV shows that we, were watch, we watch all the time. We were watching sort of a, a murder mystery the other night, and it was taking place in the Everglades. And at the beginning of the show, as they were walking through the Everglades, again and again, they kept panning to gators. They kept showing you gators. They kept showing you gators. And then guess what happened at the end of the show? The bad guy got ate by the gators. If you show me gators in the Everglades in a murder mystery, somebody better get eaten by gators. That's Chekhov's gun. But the other thing that Chekhov gave us that is significant that that we still use today in the way that we watch television shows and things like that is the concept of show, don't tell. Show me what someone is feeling. Don't just tell me. It would be strange if you were watching a TV show and the only way you could tell that somebody was sad was if they said, I'm sad. That's flat. That's not meaningful. But if the person is walking around, hanging their head and Charlie Brown music is playing underneath of them, you know, oh, yes, that person is sad. We get this idea of show, don't tell. Wisdom is the same way. Wisdom is the sort of thing that we can't tell somebody that we have. We have to show them. Because if somebody tells you that they are wise, guess what? They're probably not. They're probably not. You see, we as a, as a culture have, have gotten confused about the difference between insight and true wisdom. Insight is the ability to, to see behind the veil, to, to go through and figure out the life hacks, to understand how the systems work. People with insight, and guess what people with insight will do? They will tell you. In fact, they'll start a blog and tell you about all of their hacks to do this and that. Or they'll start a YouTube channel and do a video that's an explainer. Do you want to know all about the hidden things in the new TV show, WandaVision? Come to my vlog and figure it out. I will tell you about all of the Easter eggs and explain it all to you. You want to know about fan theories and game theories and food theories? Come to my YouTube channel and I will give you all the insight you need. It's told to you. Because insight is always told. But that's one of the chief differences between insight and real wisdom. Real wisdom is not something that we see by it being explained. Real wisdom 
is something that is lived out in someone's life. It is something that we see not through their words primarily, but through their actions. Not only have we cheapened wisdom by looking at insight, but we've also cheapened wisdom by simply making it the thing that you get when you've been through a lot. We equate life experience with wisdom. Oh, that, my, my grandfather lived through a lot. He's nostalgia. Wisdom comes from somewhere deeper. It comes from somewhere deeper inside of us and elsewhere. And actually what James is going to show us is that wisdom can come from one of two places, one of two somewheres. And he's going to lay that out for us so that we understand that whenever we search for wisdom, we often do it for our own advantage and our own advancement. We are looking for wisdom for what it can give us, for what it can make us perceived to be. And this sort of wisdom that is focused on our own self-advancement is not only from the pit of hell. Not only does it teach us to speak some, some abyssal language, but it destroys genuine Christian community. When we rely on wisdom that is not from God, it not only creates chaos in our life, but it destroys genuine Christian community. And what James is inviting us to is a different sort of thing. It's a different sort of wisdom from a different sort of place that has a different set of results. So let's see how James lays this out in just, just five verses at the end of chapter three. I'm gonna read it in just a second. And I would able, please stand as we read James 3, 13 through 18 now. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. City Church, this is the word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. James lays out this passage on wisdom and wisdom that is from above and the wisdom that is from this earth. And he does it in a really poetic way, except it's not like the poems that we are used to reading. Most of the poems that we read are either unique and interesting because of the, the shape and meter of the verse or the most common English way of making a good poem by making them rhyme. 
But what James is doing is more of the Hebrew poetic idea. And so it flows in and out. It has couplets. It has, has rhyming at not the beginning of the word, but or I mean, at the end of the word, but sometimes the beginning of the word. And James is laying this out poetically. So what I want to do is I want to sort of group James' contrast together and kind of walk through what James shows us through this incredibly poetic piece. What I want to show you is the way that he starts that, that these two different types of wisdom have a different origin. And that different origin of these two different types of wisdom leads to a different sort of internal thought which results in a new sort of actions for us. James traces this along from the origin of outside of us to what happens inside of us to how other people see this outside of us. And that's how I want to walk us through this contrast between the worldly wisdom that James is confronting and the godly wisdom that we have available to us. Godly wisdom, James says twice, is from above. It is from heaven. In fact, James has already alluded to this. In James chapter one, what he says is, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men and women, women liberally and without reproach. And then he goes on to say, because every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of light. Just like we talked about kids in our, in our little thing about the narwhal, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from our father and heaven. And the same is true of wisdom. Wisdom is one of those gifts. The wisdom of God comes from him. It is a gift. It is a blessing that he freely gives to his children. And so James sets that up. And then James says, that's not like the wisdom of this world. And James gives a trio of ways to describe where the wisdom of this world comes from. First, he says, it is earthly. It is the same thing society believes. Now think about this. This is written in Greek to Greek and Hebrew speaking people in the Mediterranean. What was the, the powerful thing of the day? They didn't have television. They had some plays. But what people would do, what pop culture was caught up in is this new cool thing called philosophy. We invented thinking about thinking, and then we're going to go out there and we're going to tell you all about our thinking about thinking. This was made popular by the city of Athens, which if the movie 300 didn't exist, we wouldn't have known that there was a rivalry between Athens and Sparta. At least most of us wouldn't. And Sparta said, we're going to be really fit. And Athens said, y'all keep y'all fitness. We're going to be smart. And guess which one survived longer? Never mind. That's just a joke for the CrossFit people. They'll get it much later. <laughs> Athens was all about wisdom and wisdom was used throughout the Roman empire as a means of power, as a means to oppress others, as a means to elevate yourself. And James says, if you're just doing that, if you're just using wisdom in that way, if you're just parroting what Plato and Aristotle say, your wisdom is just from this earth. It is not the wisdom of God. And not only that, it's unspiritual. 
It is not what God would have us to do to, to look at this world through his eyes. It's not just life experience apart from Christ that makes us wise. That's just nostalgia. That's all that is. Wisdom that just comes from life experience. James says we don't want same earthly wisdom that is used as power over others. We don't want that unspiritual wisdom that is, that is just nostalgia and just learning the ways that this is the way the world works. And then he kind of pulls out, not only is the wisdom of this world earthly and unspiritual, the wisdom of this world is in fact demonic, which is honestly probably a little bit shocking. Should, should ring like uh, when you bite into a lemon and it kind of puckers up your face. But we shouldn't be surprised by this because James has already been alluding to this throughout the entire book of James so far. What did he see in God and trembles and has more faith than our faith without the demons. And not only that, when last week, when he talked about our tongue, what did he say sets our tongue on fire? The very fire of hell. James has been weaving this theme of how the spiritual world is at war and how it is playing out in our minds and on our tongues. But he doesn't just mention the fact that worldly wisdom is demonic reason. He also mentions that because of the nature of demons. In the sort of Judeo-Christian Bible, in the, the history of the Bible, what was it, it seems, that the demons fell because of? It was pride, envy, and ambition. They saw the creation of Adam and Eve and they saw that they were given gifts by God that the angels were not and they wanted them. And so they rebelled. Which is exactly where James is going. It's exactly where he's going. Because when we avail ourselves to the wisdom of this world, what it leads us to internally is selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. That's the kind of heart that worldly wisdom creates. A heart that can only see what other people have and wants it. It cannot celebrate in the joys of another. It can't look at what somebody else has that I don't have and go, good for them, way to go. No, it looks at what other people have has and says, why don't I get that? Why can't I have that? How is it that they have it so easy and I have it so hard? Why is it that this always happens to me? And this is a part of us from, from the youngest. Yeah, he does. Because that is often my thought. And when I'm living in that, that world that looks around and goes that everybody else gets good things and I only get bad things. And so I need to work harder to make sure I get the good things. I'm living out of worldly wisdom. I'm living out of unspiritual wisdom. I'm living out of, James' words, 
demonic wisdom. Because what it creates in us is first bitter jealousy. I want what they have. And then selfish ambition. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to get it. And then boasting, showing off what I got. And what James says is when we're doing this, we're being false to the truth. We are just showing with our lives that we are further and further from the truth of what God teaches. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I wanted to just look around and and ask you a couple of questions because I think my guess is that you have seen this sort of wisdom, this sort of selfish ambition and bitter jealousy at work. You've seen it in small ways it in small ways at your work. I know when I worked for, for Starbucks, for the big corporate coffee company, the ambition of everybody around me was cutthroat. Anything I can do to get that next promotion. I need to be the person who makes shift manager so that I'm next in line for a salary job. And if that means I've got to throw you under the bus, welcome to your new bluebird face tattoo. It is no problem Let's go. You've seen this at work in small ways. Think of the way way that jealousy and ambition have poisoned the nature of our public discourse. Why is it that more than any other generation, we cannot speak to those we disagree with with kindness? Why we don't just disagree with people, but we actually vilify them? It's because of our jealousy. It's because of our ambition that wants our tribe to increase. And James tells us we can trace that all the way back to where it comes from. That sort of divisiveness and vilifying people who we disagree with has its roots in in earthly wisdom and unspiritual wisdom and demonic wisdom. But James doesn't say that that's the only change that can take place. He says, if we are following after the wisdom that comes down from above, the wisdom that comes from God, it changes our hearts. And he lists out the way that it sort of changes in our hearts. He says what? He says that the wisdom that comes from God from above is first pure. If you've been with us as we've been studying through James, James has again and again come back to a very certain idea. The idea of, of from God is first pure. That's what he's talking about. It isn't mixed. It isn't a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It isn't a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. No, it is wholly fixed on what God gives us from above. And not only is it pure, but it is, it is peaceable. The wisdom of God is not quarrelsome. It's not jumping online anytime we can to make sure that somebody knows that they're wrong online. It's when we're having an argument with our partner, it's not, it's not jumping to find one tiny little flaw in what they said. It's not nitpicking the last sentence that they gave to us to score an argument. Wisdom from above is 
peaceable, not quarrelsome. It's gentle, not harsh. The wisdom from above is open to reason. It's teachable. It is not so set in its ways that we can't change something. It's actively seeking to hear others, to hear what they have to say, to hear where they are coming from. That's what godly wisdom looks like in our heart. Not closed off and mute one around us, but peaceably, purely listen to one another, wanting to learn, wanting to understand. It's a listening wisdom. It's a wisdom that is full of mercy and good fruits. James says, pure and pure religion, undefiled. What? To visit the widow and orphan and to keep yourself pure before the world. James is beginning to tie together the ideas of faith and wisdom. Why? Because they come from the same place. Why? Because we receive them in the same way. The wisdom of God is impartial. It listens to each side of the argument. It responds to others without prejudice or partiality, as James showed us in chapter two. The wisdom from above is sincere. It flows from the absolute center of our character and makes its way out into our lives. This is a stark contrast in these two. The wisdom from below, which is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And the wisdom from above, which is first pure, then peaceable, full of mercy and good fruits. And we can see already that there's an incredible contrast between those two. But what James says is that contrast grows as it works its way out in the lives that we lead. Because the gifts that we are given by God lead to a change in our disposition. And that's what changes us from the inside out. Earthly wisdom is internally filled with jealousy and envy, which leads every time to chaos. You see, both of these types of wisdom, both earthly wisdom and wisdom from above, result in a change in our actions. The difference is actions that gives us and other people life, or does it result in a change in our actions that are acidic, and corrosive to ourselves and others. Because when our hearts are filled with bitterness, jealousy, and envy, it is corrosive to each and every one of our relationships. It creates chaos. And as James says, every sort of vile action. But, but instead of being corrosive and rusting our virtues and rotting our lives, James says that we have hope. 
Because the wisdom that God gives us, the wisdom that is from above, when we pursue that wisdom, when we receive it, it really does change our lives. Just like when we receive the gift of faith from God, James says it results in a change in our deeds. When we receive the gift of God, of wisdom, it really does result in a different sort of life. It changes us first at the level of our heart. And as that change of our heart, of our soul takes root, it creates and produces in us a new disposition, a disposition that bears the fruit of a meek and humble life. Now, here's the thing. We can contrast the the wisdom of this world with the wisdom of God all the way down at the bottom, but I think where it becomes really sharp is all the way at the top. Christian wisdom is aimed at making you humble and meek. Be careful. Because if you want to pursue Christian wisdom, if you want to pursue the gift that God has for you and Christian wisdom, the result of it is going to be humility and meekness. Those are not things that are valued by so many around us. Those are not things that are valued. Those are not things that we can gin up in our own effort. You can't effort your way to humility and meekness. Think about it. If you wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to some other sort of soil, it has to be something that is transplanted into us. We have to have the foreign soil of heaven placed in our lives. Or as Jeremiah puts it, God has to remove our heart of flesh and give us a heart or our heart of things and see the character of Jesus. But we see Jesus in the fact that this sort of wisdom is given to us. The good news, the gospel, is not that Jesus has just forgiven our sins by the blood of the cross, but more than that, he's given you and I new hearts. He has changed us from the inside out, and that is the beginning of wisdom. As we live our lives out of this new heart, all of the things that James mentioned, pure and peaceable, getting harder. Not by doing better, not through effort, but rather through seeing him more clearly. By the transformation that's offered to us in the weekly worship of the church, in the giving of the grace of the sacraments, by our own private worship, when we engage with the regular means of grace, the normal things, the ordinary things that God has given us, God changes our hearts in extraordinary ways. We no longer grasp and hold on with the bitterness, envy, and jealousy of what other others have because we begin to see more and more what we already have in Jesus. And that becomes more valuable to us. And as that becomes more valuable, what are we able to do for those around us? 
instead of being people who are constantly looking around at what others have and what we do not, if we are secure in who we are and the wisdom that Jesus has given us, what do we do? We become the kind of people who make peace. James, a good Jewish boy, is drawing on the long Old Testament history of the word shalom. Yes, the greeting that they would give one another, but more than that, this idea of rested peace, that everything is in the right place. When we see Jesus change us, what happens is we begin to plant the seeds of righteousness, of change, and of shalom, not by force, not by coercion, and not even by persuasion. The way that we see peace formed in the world around us, in our families, our workplaces, and our city, is not by forcing it, or coercing it, or even by persuading it. It's by us being at peace and waging peace in the lives of others. It's by us living out of the wisdom that God has given us because a harvest of righteousness is the fruit of transformed lives sown by those who wage peace. So church, let's set aside the acidic worldly wisdom that drives us to selfish ambition and jealousy, and let us sow peace in the places that we live, work, and play, and let us do it through the wisdom that God generously and abundantly gives to all who ask. Let's pray.